Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. <laughs> Hello. You like that finger pointing? I did. <laughs> a little <laughs> hand gestures pointing. Look at that. There's Derek Special right there. Right there. For everybody listening, he's right there. How's it going, Derek? Good. How about you? Just peachy. <laughs> Just fantastic. Trey Fabu. So tell me something about tonight's episode. Significance. The significance? 180! <laughs> That's right, baby. It's the dart episode. <laughs> Took me a second to figure out, where's he going where's with he this? Going with this? Man, that's a change because usually it's the other way around. Exactly. Where's he going with that? I don't know. Where's he going with Turn this? the tables. It's 180. He probably just blew out everybody's ears. He's yeah. like, I wasn't ready. I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, there's that uh, darts guy if you're ever watching darts on TV. Yeah, a little bald guy. Yeah. And he did, oh man, it, it, it hurts. To hear him say it hurts my voice to hear him, to hear him say, say that yeah. like that. He must go home. So how was darts tonight? It was great. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like is my wife must just beat him with a stick or something. Yeah. So episode one hundred and eighty. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever played darts and got one hundred and eighty? No. I've gotten two triple 60s and a triple, or a, a single 20. Yeah? Sorry, sorry. Three triple 20s to 460. Yeah. And yeah, so 140 is the best I've ever, oh, yeah? ever gotten yet. I was that close. <laughs> that close. <laughs> yeah, mostly 26. Yeah. I'll get a five. I'll move over a bit. I'll get a one. I'll move over a bit. Get the 20 right between the two of them. <laughs> 26. <laughs> it would take me forever to win a game. So, and I've got that dart board out there too. Yeah. Take me forever to win a game of darts. So I haven't played darts in a decade. You know what? I, I enjoy just sitting there. It's like, if I got something going, um, I'll just take a break and I'll go throw a few darts and, and whatnot. Oh, yeah. You know, cause we play, uh, every so often we have a group of people that get together for Saturday night darts. Oh, okay. Uh, like once a month through the summer. So yeah. we play maybe what, five yeah. Five times sort of thing. Just enough to keep the skills rusty. Yeah. Yeah. Just enough to keep the skills rusty. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go over and you have a couple of drinks and you play some darts yeah. and you play three games. First two don't count. The last one's for the money. Everybody pays like five bucks and um, actually six bucks. Five bucks goes towards the the pair that win yeah. that night. But that extra buck goes into this boot glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The first person to get 180 wins all the money in the boot glass. That boot glass has it's been collecting money for three years now. <laughs> yeah, it's more about the drinking then. But I tell you, man, one day, whoever gets that boot glass, man, they're going for a night on the town. We're talking concert. We're talking hotel. We're talking a big meal. Awesome. We're talking cab rides and Ubers yeah. and you name it, buddy. <laughs> I, mean, I think this year they may need a second boot glass to hold the overflow money. Because. <laughs> Yeah, we all suck. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, cool to get out. You know, like I say, we get yeah, out once a yeah. once. More. I mean, a couple of people they're like, "Yay, I hit the board." <laughs> you didn't get any points. Shut up! <laughs> I hit the damn board. 
hang on, I got to take a run at the dartboard. <laughs> like they're hurling the javelin, right? It's, it's good to get out and have some fun yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, yeah. So episode 119. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we talked last week oh, about the book, Walden. You got your book. So it came in the mail. Right. Came have in you, the, have came, you read it? Well, no, I just got it today. <laughs> and? I haven't even opened the, the cover. You haven't? The it's, spine it, is not even cracked. Crack it. Just just crack it. Crack the spine. Go ahead. Oh, look at that. There we go. Oh, did you hear that book now go? It looks ugly. Oh, I've been used. That looks ugly. Now it looks ugly. It looks like there's a crack in the back. Yeah. It wasn't expensive. It was, uh, it must have been used. Yeah, Thoro's not as popular as he used to be. Yeah. It's a $5 yeah, He's a has-been. It's like listed on the back. Five bucks. Five bucks? Yeah. Where do you shop? Discount Dave's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was online. Bar- bargain Books Emporium. It's, it's labor- labeled Dover Thrift Editions. Really? Yeah. But there's not even a Canadian price on the back. It's not even a Canadian, not even for the Canadian market. Ooh, daring, <laughs> daring days, yeah. discount books. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll be reading that on, uh, when I go on vacation. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, beer this evening, the last couple that we got from the town brewery. Now I seem to remember vaguely the last time you bought from town brewery. We weren't impressed. We weren't impressed. Yeah. Nice to see things never change. <laughs> it's a uh, shame because they, they, yeah. they, it's, it's a nice local brewery. And like when I was there to pick up the, the brews, it was jam packed wall to wall people, right? It's a, it's at the, it's a restaurant pub brewery. And so really nice concrete counter when you belly up to the bar. It's a, it's a really nice place. I hope their food's better. I hope so too. <laughs> so the super not India pale ale. I will say, since we drank this, yeah. we've been belching like nobody's business. Yes, I know, eh? So if you want to win a burping contest, <laughs> S- Town Brewery, Super Not India Pale Ale. Yeah. The, oh, and that had the chunks at the bottom. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, which, I, sh- I mean, you poured your chunks in. Yeah, I shook it up. And, and we were just like, yeesh. Yeah. And I stopped. I still got a little bit at the bottom, so that's where all the chunks are. Look like a bunch of worms floating at the bottom of the glass. Yeah. Um, I don't mind worm in my tequila, but not in, I know <laughs> not, not in my beer. And the other one is square wheels, hazy IPA. I guess out of, I think out of the three that we tried, I, I this one's probably pa- the best of the somewhat three. Somewhat palatable. Yeah. Somewhat. We'll, we'll be kind. We'll be kind. <laughs> um, Hey, it's beer. What can we yeah, say? Yeah. You got to try it out. You got to try them all out. They're not all going to be, you know, number one beers on your list. No. And there's a few we've been impressed with. Like uh, there's a few from Chronicle Brewing that we, yeah. I almost always like Man Antler beers. Man Antlers is good, yeah. They do a really yeah. good job. Little Beasts have a few that we like. Um, well, what's the one in Ajax we haven't been to in a while? Brock? No, that's, that's Oh, Whitby. Five Paddles? No, that's Whitby. Um, oh, there's one in Ajax. It's, around, it's like five minutes from my house. I haven't been there in probably a year. Uh, I've never been there. You Did you pick some up from there one time? I never have. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, I think it was two years ago we had it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll, maybe I'll check yeah. some out for the next time. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're we're drinking tonight. So what do we got on the list tonight? REI. Yes. This R- this was an interesting story. When I saw that, it's like, what? It just, it just 
seems funny and and so as we roll it out and talk about it it's it's it is kind of quirky and interesting story now see being in the states REI's being in the states I've not actually seen their catalog now I used to enjoy there's a place in Toronto called LeBaron's yes and you used to go and get their catalog every spring Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, it was like yeah. this inch-thick catalog. Incredible. And it had all the fishing yeah. gear, all the camping gear. So you just sit there. It's like the Sears catalog, mm-hmm. you know, at Christmas time, going through and marking off all the toys you want, right? Yeah. So this is exactly what LeBaron's was. You go get their catalog, and you go through it and say, oh, you know what? I need some of this. I need some of this. I need some of this. Which is cool, because then you go to LeBaron's shopping. Yeah. And you know what? This is what I'm picking up this week. This is what I'm picking up next week. That sort of thing. And you have all your gear ready come camping time paddling yeah. season that mm-hmm. sort of thing right fishing whatever they had a ton of fishing stuff there and that was the deal so i but i don't think rei's catalog is like that i don't think i've ever seen one that makes two of us <laughs> however um i'm thinking it might be like the old uh, mountain equipment co-op catalog that you used to be able to get through and like you see finger through it and there's the biking stuff, there's the climbing stuff, there's the the paddling yes. stuff, the yeah. camping stuff, you know, all of that sort of thing, right? Different sections. I gotta think it's like that. Well, they are getting rid of it. Yes. Going away. But but wait, <laughs> but that's not all. <laughs> it's not really getting rid they of it. They are replacing <laughs> it with a magazine. Yes. Called Uncommon Path. So this fall, 2019, apparently. They will uh, kill the full-priced paper catalog and replace it with an editorial magazine filled with gear advice, adventure stories, profiles, and a lot more. Hitting newsstands in a lot of mailboxes around September 15th, the 84-page publication will reach 700,000 outdoor enthusiasts. 700,000. I wonder how they're going to pick those 700,000. Well, they say they have 15, sorry, 17 million, million members. members. Yeah, that's a lot. I got to think it's going to be the U.S. members only. Well, yeah. So as as a, I think we can pretty much assume that they're gonna, not going to waste time mailing internationally. They're probably, if, if I was them, I would uh, probably, some people automatically get mailed the catalog. So yep. maybe they would be part of that list or maybe I don't think they're going to go down and, and say, okay, anybody who spends more than a thousand dollars a year will get automatically get a catalog. Get a free thing. catalog. Yeah, thing, yeah. I don't think they'll do that, but, uh, like I'm sure they keep track of that stuff. You, sh- you know, you, uh, scan your membership number and they know what you're buying, but it, chances are it's probably people who have already pre-ordered the catalog, right? Could uh, just be, as yeah. a guess. Or, well, and I mean, um, when it comes to outside magazines and stuff, then like outside magazine yeah, is one of the magazines. There are only 675,000 copies. And they're a paid magazine. You buy right. it. So they make money from advertising and from magazine sales, like right. prescri- subscriptions and newsstand. Exactly. Now, REI says this is going to be more of a marketing thing. Yes. Than a moneymaker. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be free. Right. Well, well, we'll see. It depends because you're, you're going through the big article. They're talking about it all. They and do it, talk about yeah, they'll on sell newsstands. it on newsstands, but it'll be free to previous catalog holders. I, I don't know. D- yeah, they don't. They don't really get into who that is. Yeah, but they say their immense initial circulation is largely a product of its <clears throat> ready-made mailing list of 17 million members. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's just pull out that 750,000. Yeah. 
because that costs a lot of money to produce a magazine. Absolutely. Right? Like that. So now, according to the editors at Uncommon Path, they've pivoted pivoted away. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Pivoted away from its well-known catalog to a magazine because of editorial success in the digital realm. The uh, magazine is in line with REI's other media programs. So over the last few years, the catalog's mixed in more and more editorial content, right? Yeah. In the actual magazine. And people enjoy reading that stuff. So get rid of the catalog part of it. Mm-hmm. People can just check all that stuff out on, which a lot of people do. Yeah. I oh, yeah. go on, if I'm looking yeah. for something, I go online and, and look through everything quickly. Yeah. As opposed to flip, 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 page 72. Oh, there's what I want. And I can do it faster on. Exactly. Online, yeah. right? So now think about this too, is uh, they, they produce, used to produce catalog. You yep. know, nobody ever pays for a catalog. So they, who knows? Maybe they had, for example, 700,000, they're you know, catalogs that will be shipped across the States and available right. in the stores. It's not going to do the catalog anymore. Now they're going to do a magazine. Right. So their costs haven't really changed unless they're paying their journalists to write the stories, but they're still producing a paper copy of something that's being given away. Mm-hmm. So really the in, at the bottom line, the, uh, so I don't know if they, they had advertising in their catalog, but they're going to have advertising in the magazine. Yep. And so they may recoup some costs there, but it's, uh, it really, the, the bottom line logistically is it's still a free paper publication. Yeah. So, I mean, magazines are expensive, putting yes, together a magazine, absolutely. that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, you got your writers, uh, sales teams, production, circulation editors, staff, editorial, yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff. So REI has hired out a lot of their work to a media conglomerate, Hearst. So they will have some gain costs. Yeah. So Hearst has, owns like over 300 magazines apparently. And they are going to um, manage the ma- the new Uncommon Path magazine. They're advertising relationships and the copying, editing, layout of the magazine, all that, because that's what they do, right? So their team of writers and editors, I mean, it's going to help out REI because they've already got all that experience doing all that sort of thing. So that'll help them out. So uh, when you're talking about ads and stuff like that. Yeah. Of the 84 pages in the first issue, the magazine will carry about a dozen full page ads. While many of these advertisers will likely be REI vendors, the magazine will also be open to non-endemic advertising for products that REI does not carry on its shelves. For example hospitality or automotive ads. And we discussed this when we first talked about the we story did. and I said, well, that's, that's weird. And, but then doesn't you said, fit. it doesn't fit. But then yeah. you said, well, no, what if they advertise, Hey, this is how you get to your outdoor adventure yeah. in this new Jeep. The Jeep or the new, well, because they're coming out with the new Westphalia Volkswagen there van, you go. right? There you go. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen the new Westphalia Volkswagen van, but it, yeah, it's disappointment. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, if they, if they, I'm sorry, if they want to redo, just to go off topic here, if they want to redo that Westphalia van, the, you know, the old Volkswagen yeah. van, the hippie van yeah. with the pop-up top and all, yeah. make it look like the old one. I don't care if I, if that's what I'm looking to buy. I'm not yeah. looking this rounded, aerodynamic, oh, they it, did they? squeaky looking. Yeah. Give me that old boxy thing. 
You know, that's what, that's what everybody wants. So yeah. So if you're looking at that sort of thing, is that your outdoor vehicle? Then yeah, yeah. an automotive ad, but you know, that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's just going to yeah. be, Oh, check out the new Cadillac or something like that. Um, anyway, wait, wait, well, that's <laughs> neither here nor there, but that's, yeah. So there, there will be other, other things in there. So, um, while REI will sell ads for the magazine and sell it on newsstands, the retailer sees it as more as a marketing is, uh, initiative than a profit-making product. So, yeah, that's what that's what I was saying there. It's going to be more um, marketing than, than making money. So whatever they're going to sell it for is probably just enough to cover their costs, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm looking at the West Valley van. You're right. It's kind of weird. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pfft, make it boxy like the old one. Looks like a spaceship. Yeah. Pew <laughs> pew pew pew. Anyway. Uh, what do they say? Hopefully this mag will give people the opportunity to slow down, connect, and read stories about getting outside and then get outside. I think that's what it is. They're, they're just trying to say, you know what? People can go online now yeah. digitally and check out our, our catalog. Exactly. So the the uh, the classic catalog is really starting to become a way, a way the past. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like Lee Valley. I buy stuff from them all the time. They keep sending me the catalogs. I never even crack a cover. The only, oh, Lee Valley, their Christmas gift catalog, I go through that. That's the only one I go through. But you have this this habit of not cracking covers of books. <laughs> this is true. Dig, dig. <laughs> Derek's but, book club has turned into Derek's catalog my, club. My point being, <laughs> my point being is that people tend, I don't know of anybody who really peruses catalogs anymore, right? Not really. Yeah, I got a small Longham McQuaid one yeah. for all the musical instrument, the sound producing, and inst- you know, I mean, like looking at mixer boards and sound yeah. and but microphones. Generally, you're going to go to the internet, and but I'll go to the internet, or I mean, it's, it's five minutes from my house. I'll just yeah. go peruse. Yeah, you know, leave the credit card at home and peruse. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, hold that, put that on hold for me. I'll yeah. come back and get it. <laughs> you got my credit card on file, right? Exactly. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> So the big deal with this though, is in these times of everybody, you know, carbon footprint, people are yes. picking that apart, saying that this, this magazine now is going to create a large carbon footprint because shipping, production, disposal, mm-hmm. and they're, which I'm just like, huh? They are using forest stewardship Council certified paper and recycled materials. Whatever that means. But, okay, so you're printing on cheap ass paper. Yeah. Or post-consumer product or a portion recycled, yada, yada, yada. But that doesn't do anything with the production, the shipping, the people that just throw it in the trash afterwards. But again, they already produced... A paper copy, mm-hmm. which was a catalog, and now it's a magazine. So again, they're 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 so just previous, trading one for the they're other. Trading one right? for the other. Yeah. It's just still the same. But I think people's people's point is, yeah, if you're getting rid of the catalog, don't bring something to replace. Yeah, it. just go Stick full digital. digital. Go full digital. on digital. Yeah, right. When was the last time you were mailed anything by Mountain Equipment Co-op? Or sale or yeah. anything like I mean, you get the yeah, little yeah. small flyer or something. Does MEC have a catalog? They used to. Do they? Oh, yeah, they used to. I don't know if they still have one. Yeah. I've not seen one in years. Hmm. 
I like I say, I go online and Google. I need whatever. Yeah, and and that's the way. Exactly. Now, I imagine that's still a future option for REI is if they if it becomes successful, and I imagine they're going to look at the metrics and who's looking at it online and who's looking at a paper copy and stuff like that. How many paper copies get requested or yada yada yada. So I I think that's somewhere they could move in the future as pure digital. Yeah, I I gotta think eventually they will. I think. Yeah. I You're think they'll just eventually say, you know, newspapers go that way. Yeah, because newspapers, like, I don't know how many times I go to, like, you know, the go to the Star, or Washington Post, or New York Times, or something like that, and it pops up. You've looked at three articles this month. Pay up, or you can't look at any more until yeah. next month. That type yeah. thing, right? So it's and that's the that's the new way of the future is is uh, digital uh, subscriptions, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody carries their, your phone, your iPad, your yeah, your laptop, your desktop. Like, yeah, is everything's digital. And if you have a, a slick digital interface, then people will flock to it. And if it's difficult to manage and maneuver, then people don't go to it. Well, let me put it this way, just to get a little bit disgusting. Okay. How many magazines do you have in your bathroom? None. But da. Got your phone every time, don't yes, you? Yes. Yes. And you end up with that red ring around your butt, don't you? Because <laughs> you sitting there. My God, I've been in here 45 minutes. <laughs> no, I'm never in there that long. 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's exactly everybody's going digital. You know, I mean, I still prefer, or prefer, I, I enjoy sitting with a book, reading a book, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, when you're shopping, and, and the thing with digital, if when you're talking catalogs, is I can open two two tabs, two mm-hmm. or three tabs, and look at the same item in two or three different stores. Yes. Yeah. Compare pricing, compare all that sort of, but even within the same store, if they've got a sleeping bag, I'm looking at four different sleeping bags, I can open them all up and... And compare them and, you know, like there's little little check marks, compare, 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 and then hit yeah. okie dokie and it'll open all four of them in columns. Exactly, yeah. Comparing. We, you can't do that with a catalog. What's interesting, and I don't want to pull this too far off topic, but uh, th- that reminds me of, uh, so Amazon right now is, they'll give you $10 cash if you download their their software, their Amazon software. Right. This Amazon software sits in the background and it spies on you. Ooh. So, but you know, Google does the same thing, right? But uh, what it does is one of the op- options that it does do is, uh, well, for example, it knows where you're shopping and knows what you're looking at. So if you happen to go to, uh, it, it sits in the background. And if you go to like Walmart and you're looking at, I don't know, like a, a paddle, the uh, Amazon will automatically on the edge of your page will pop up almost like an advertisement saying this is available at Amazon for this mount. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's, much a, of it's that. a side-by-side comparison and it just pops up on your screen. Yeah. So, and, but a lot of people are going, you're willing to sell your privacy for yeah. $10. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Yeah, they do. They do, man. So, yeah. but you know, right now Google does it for free, right? Like, it, which is, I think it's funny. Like I'll buy something online and next thing you know, for the next month, I'm getting advertisements for that item. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I just bought it. Why are you wasting your advertising time on that? Well, yeah. And that's exactly, just, you just look at it and then you've yeah. got it everywhere. 
is, is showing, hey, buy it, buy yeah. it, buy it. I just looked at it. It's, it's like creepy too. Yeah, like you'll is. look, you'll read, you'll either in an email or you'll look at something, and next thing you know, it's like, how did how many spandex G stings do I need? <laughs> <laughs> how did Google know that I was looking at that product? Yeah, right. Yeah, it knows. Oh, it knows, man. It yeah. it knows. So, um, what else do they say here? Do 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 do. They're producing a form of advocacy that has a bias to promote a life outside. It aims to create more engagement within the outdoors and REI. So basically they're selling themselves and the outdoors. Exactly. Which if you're going outdoors, you need to go see them to buy stuff. Exactly. Which is, I mean, that's what you do. It's it's business. Yeah. It's a life cycle of products, right? It's a, it's, they put themselves into the life cycle of what people do in the outdoors. Yeah. So do more and you need this to do it. All that. Yeah. You know, oh, you want to go paddling. Well, you're going to need a paddle. You're going to need a boat. You're going to need a life jacket. Yeah. You're going to need ropes. You're going to need a safety exactly. safety kit. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, yeah. you're going to, you're going to. So you're going they're to, inserting themselves and, and yeah. it, it's, they have this ready-made list of people to look at their magazine because they've got 17 million. Yeah. You know, members. Members. Yeah. I'm not a member. <laughs> I am. Are you? Yeah. Pfft. Does membership have its privileges? I think it was free. Really? And my first purchase at REI was would have been ten percent off or something. Ooh. I never bought anything from them. I bought my Magnum Equipment Co-op card for five bucks. Yeah, and it's was, a lifetime membership. That was years ago, I did that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I remember going in and uh, had my old. Remember the old green ones? They yeah. used to laminate yeah. right I there. Think I still have it. I walked in with that one day, and they're like. Ooh, you haven't been here in a while. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do, what do you mean? <laughs> um, so what can members expect in the new magazine landing on the doorsteps this fall? One story is about how cities are creating green space in new ways within city limits. The outdoors doesn't always have to be this grand epic adventure. There are innovative cities planning and making green space in unexpected places like Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is taking a new approach to city parks. So it's not just going to be all the big outdoors. It's going to be editorials yeah. about outdoors. Yeah. Not basically, you know, you got to go to Alaska or you got to go to the Yukon or you got to go to South America. It's about the outdoors as a whole. Yeah. All aspects of the outdoors. Which is good. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how that all turns out and whether it all goes digital or they just continue on the way it is. So just comparing numbers for numbers. Now, these are old numbers because there's MEC doesn't have updates. But so REI has 17 million members. Yeah. But they also got like 10 times the population of Canada. But uh, MEC has 4.3 million. That's it? Yeah. But wow. that was that's uh, that's, 20, Canada that's, too, that's right? uh that's 2014 numbers. And how many stores across Canada? Uh, as of 2014, 18 stores in six provinces. I think there's more now. There's because a few more now, yeah. So Barry, about 20 stores. Barry opened two years ago. There's a Halifax one opened like three years ago or something. Yeah, was there ago. a Calgary one now or something? Oh yeah, yeah, second, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, you got eight, 20 stores. Call it. How many REI stores are in the states? 30, I, just, I was just looking at that. 300,000. Um, 154. So you're talking 20 stores versus 154 yeah. stores. 154 retail stores in 36 states. Wow. According to Wikipedia. Apparently um, 14 states don't 
participate. Yeah. I'm weird. Guessing Texas probably doesn't have one. Florida probably doesn't have one. Some of those barren All those retirement communities down at Florida. Yeah. They're Some not of those into barren Midwest states that are just flat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Low know. Population. I don't know. That's down south anyway. Yeah. Um, so moving on from there. Moving right along. Moving right along. In sixteen fifteen. The year 1615, <laughs> Champlain became the first European to travel the Trent Severn Waterway. So let's talk lock systems. Let's talk the Trent Severn Waterway. He entered a territory where indigenous roots already ran deep. Archaeological findings indicate First Nations groups utilized the waterways, lakes, and connecting rivers from at least 9,000 B.C. That's, that's, uh, that's a long time. <laughs> Nine, ten, yeah. <laughs> 10,615 years, apparently. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 17th century traders paddled this complex system themselves, hoping to make their fortunes in fur. Uh, the, I've, we were at this, uh, in, Ca- in Campbellford a couple of weeks back, we went to this incredible edibles festival there. Has nothing to do with marijuana, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it was actually food. Yeah, it's a food You thing. know, local yeah. farms local and, 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 and restaurants, all that sort of stuff. And one of the things, Parks Canada had a, booth. a little booth set up. So we were over talking and they had the Trent Severn Waterway, Bay of Quinty to Georgian Bay map. And you open this thing up, it gives a little bit of, talks a little bit about um, the Trent Severn Waterway and the lock system. And it's actually pretty cool seeing all this sort of stuff. So I picked it up, I was looking through it. Now we've been on, I've been on it once and that was with you when we did Yeah, uh, we the did Canada the, the lock system. Yeah, 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 we did a couple of locks. Uh, we did the uh, lift lock in Peterborough. Yeah. So there's two lift locks on the system and there's the marine wa- railway on the yes. system. Yeah. There's two sets of flight locks on the system. A what? Flight locks. A what? Flight lock. Flight lock. What is that? I will tell you what a flight lock is. So the from they don't actually say what a flight lock is, uh, but when you look at the photos and all that and they because there's the two of them, it's when no the locks we went through had a front door and a back door. Okay. For lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. Picture a front door, a middle door, and a back door. Oh. So you come in the one and you lower sort of halfway. Yeah. Then you go through to the second lock and lower the rest of the so way. It's so it's- just like a step. Exactly. Down so sort of thing. the lift lock achieves that height where the flight lock would- yeah, Exactly. It, it's, instead of having too much of an elevation change in one lock, it's just a double lock. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a flight lock. So there's two sets of flight locks. Hmm. So a little bit of history about the Trent Severn Waterway. Uh, and I know Kevin Callan, if you go to his YouTube page, he just paddled some of the, uh, the, the waterways, did a couple of locks and stuff like that. And you learn a bit about it. And w- there's stuff that I didn't even know about the lock systems, you know, cause I'm in a canoe, you never, you never think about doing them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I'm more familiar with the Ottawa to Kingston route, um, See, because I'm, there's the Rideau, the Rideau canal yeah. system coming down and then there's. So if you started at the parliament buildings in Ottawa, yeah. you could take the Rideau Canal yeah. all the way down to Kingston. 
Mm-hmm. There's all that goes around the, some of the, the road waterfalls and stuff like that. And you can get to Kingston. And then if you were to take, go from Kingston along the shoreline of Lake Ontario to Trenton, yeah. which is the Bay of Quinty, you could hit the, the Trent Severn waterway lock system all the way up to, to Georgian Bay. Georgian Bay, yeah, yeah. So you can go from Ottawa to Georgian Bay. Mm-hmm. But, and that would be about 600, well, the lock systems alone, 600 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And then you got that. 100 kilometers, whatever, between Trenton and, and Kingston. Yes, yeah, part of the, like the So you're looking at 700 kilometers, right? Lake Ontario. Uh, lake on, yeah, the, the lake, lake Ontario. Um, so it's just like, it's pretty cool looking at all these, these maps yeah. and that. So a little bit of the history there is the 1800s, the British and Irish were among the first immigrants to settle along Upper Canada's desirable water route. Fur was the main commodity uh, at the time, but it was replaced by wood. Now, Algonquin Park, knowing Algonquin Park as we do, all the lumber barons and all that, they wanted supplied. to bring their stuff yeah. down and, and whatnot. Harnessing the water power um, started a lot of mill towns. Mm-hmm. So along yeah. the, you know, there's a lot of, like Laura and uh, there's there's all these different places that you can check out the old mills, the old grist mills. Yeah, you know, and for, mills, from, from those times, it's really hard to find any town that was on water that didn't have some sort of water-driven yeah. mill. yeah. Either a sawmill or a grist mill or whatever, right? You know, for grains or for whatever. Yeah. So the early settlers and timber barons and all that started lobbying the British crown saying, hey, like, you know, let's make this, these locks to get all our stuff down farther south and make some money, da, 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 But a lot of the time there's all the, the big thing that, that stopped the original making of the canals and the lock systems was, you know, bureaucratic hoopla. Yeah. Right. Who's going to spend the money and who's going to grease the palms and. Well, apparently Canada's first prime minister did. Sir John A. Macdonald. He says, hey, hey, this sounds like a good idea. And they started working on it. And then Bob Cajun, and not from, you know, from the tragically hit song. <laughs> yes. Uh, was the site of the first of the waterway's first wooden lock in 1833. That's a long time ago. Then it took another 87 years to finish the whole thing. Yes. Right. 1920, after almost a century of construction, all the Trent Severn linkages, consisting of over 40 locks, some 50 kilometers of man-made canals, approximately 150 dams, and countless areas that were altered by dredging and flooding. Uh, created a, success, a fully navigable system. Soon afterwards, a flow of recreational boating began and continued to grow, making the waterway a world-famous tourist destination. So from Trenton all the way up to Georgian Bay, 386 kilometers linking the two areas. Yeah. So they say if you, if you got a one-way trip, in a power, now a lot of, granted, a lot of the, the use is power boats. Yes. You know, so if you're going up five to seven days, so you can sleep on your boat and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, right? And I've looked into it for sailboats. So there's a few sections near Trenton, or uh, is it Trenton? Yeah, the uh, you know, the east end of the Trent Southern yep. Waterway. The, uh, there's a few sections there where if you were on a sailboat, you'd have to drop your mast to yeah. get through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but otherwise, it's it's still fully navigable. Well, they got the there's some some stats here about the uh, system itself. Forty four locks, thirty nine swing bridges, 
The lowest bridge clearance is 6.7 meters or 22 feet. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely need to low enter in your yeah, mast on exactly. that one. Uh, water depths under normal con- uh, conditions. Lock 1 to 19 is 8 feet. Lock 20 to 45 is 6 feet. So as you get closer to Georgian Bay, your water levels actually decrease mm-hmm. by a couple of feet. Smallest lock on the Trent Severn is Port Severn lock number 45. It is 84 feet long, 23 feet wide, and vessels wishing to travel the entire waterway cannot exceed these dimensions. <laughs> so you take the smallest lock and say, if you're any bigger than that, you're getting stuck. Yes, exactly. Right? You shall not pass. There are, yeah, <laughs> there's this guy with a beard and a hat <laughs> and a staff. So Big Shoot Marine Railway. That's one of the big, uh, big things there. So the big chute, Lock 44, it's a marine railway that carries boats across the land in a cradle. Yes. So this thing goes down into the water. You drive your boat in. Onto it. And as it goes up, there's these straps that fit under your your boat and cradle it. It's like a boat lift, but it's just a... And it, and it goes up the railway yeah. over land and then back down across into back into the, yeah. the water on the other side. Yeah. And, you drive and then off. you just drive <laughs> your boat right yeah. off and canoes can use it. Kayaks can use it. Kevin Callan. Kevin Callan. He it was on his video. Yeah, It's on his video. If you check that out, he, they actually use it. So maximum, I mean, when you're talking the big boats, yeah. But when you're talking canoes, kayaks, stand up, yeah. No problems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big thing with the lock systems though, if you're canoeing, chances are, if there's a lot of people, I'm just picking my canoe up. I'm portaging the other exactly. end. And it's, I'm gone. It's a novel. When we did it on the, for Canada's 150th. Yeah. It was. Oh, uh, it was a novelty. It was. Yeah. I'm, of yeah. course I'm going through the lock, right? Well, I have a lift lock to start yeah. the day. I mean, and And one of the big things it. for the Canada 150, which w- made a big difference why we actually used the lock was because it was free that year. Yes. So this is, uh, the whole thing was free for Canada's 150th. Otherwise, I'm not paying money for my 14-foot canoe to go through. No, what they say, I mean, it wasn't expensive for a lock fee. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I mean, you get the pass, sorry, the lock pass. Yes. And I think it was like five bucks for every foot or something like, no, not even, no, like a not couple bucks. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was. It's like 20 bucks. Yeah, it, it could be expensive if you go through the whole system. Yeah. But just yeah. for one or two locks for the novelty, yeah. it would be. Yeah. That's nothing. But for Canada 150, it was free, and we did uh, two. two. Two locks, or did we We did three? the lift lock. We did the lift lock. And, and then, then we did the one. Yeah, and then we got to the other side of the second lock, which is a regular lock. Yeah. And then we hopped out, and we did our picnic thing. Exactly. And then we came back yeah. through, mm-hmm. and then we did the lift lock again. Yeah again and came out there. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And in hindsight, I would, I would portage it probably just because it's, it, uh, it, it was, it was a little rough in there for just a canoe, right? Oh yeah. With the water flowing yeah. in and out. It was a uh, whirlpool. Well, I mean, if you, yeah, if you've never done it before yeah, and you're not knowing Which what I never to expect, yeah. you're like, Ooh, well it's this like, isn't. And then there's a whirlpool when we forming. went up the lift lock itself. Yeah. I mean, there's the two canoes. And then there's all these massive we had boats. boats all around us. And yeah. you're like, yeah. Hey, we're down here. <laughs> Don't crush me, please. <laughs> yeah. And everybody in these massive yeah. 50 foot boats. Did you hear something? <laughs> <laughs> so according to Parks Canada, nearly one and a half million visitors enjoy the unique and beautiful canal and lock systems of the Trent Severn Waterway every year. Wow. That's a lot That's of people. That's big numbers. 
Boats traveling the Trent Severn Waterway from Lake Ontario climb over 180 meters to the canal's highest point in Kirkfield, which is the second lift lock. And those heading to Lake Huron enjoy a gradual 79 meter descent. Huh. So that's quite the difference. Yeah. Until 1907, marine traffic couldn't go between Balsam Lake and Talbot River, which is the divide between the Trent and Severn watersheds. And the Kirkfield lift lock opened that year, 1907, and made it possible to go all the way from the Bay of Quinty yeah. all the way up to Georgian Bay. The lift, Peterborough lift lock was opened in 1904. So it was a couple of years earlier. And the Big Big Chute Marine Railway opened in 1917 and they refurbished it or something like that, redid it, rebuilt it, doodly-doodly-doo, uh, 1978. So the one that you're actually using now in 2019 is the one that was opened in 1978. Um, it is the only functioning apparatus of its kind in North America, the, the Big Chute. Okay. It's yeah. the only one in North America like it. And they actually have, so if you want to do a trip, if you want to jump into your canoe somewhere along mm-hmm. the way and do a trip up the, the lock system, right? There's a Trent Severn Waterway app. I haven't checked it out yet. I didn't even realize it until I started researching this. I didn't realize that there was a an actual app. And it will calculate your own holiday planner by plugging in personal speed averages. So okay. you, can, you can go in and say, you know what, this is about how fast we're paddling. How long is it going to take me to get from lock seven to lock 19 sort yeah. of thing. If that's your, if that's your route that you're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, oh, that'll take you five days or it'll take you three days or it'll take you, you know, oh, you can get there in an afternoon because mm-hmm. everything's really close or whatever. Okay. Um, of course you can also use it for power boats, but uh, for, you know, I'd be looking at a canoe trip or kayaks or something like that. Um, they do, a lot of the locks have lockage, mooring, and camping permits, which can buy, you buy at the station, yep. the lock station itself. You can stay for up to five days at the first 18 locks on the Bay of Quinty side. So that's one to 18. And then all the others um, oppose a one or two day limit. Huh. So after lock 18, one or two days only. So, but I think that's because a lot of people will stay longer in the yeah. more populated area down south, close to, the, mm-hmm. to Lake Ontario, right? And so the 240 mile, 388 kilometer waterway goes from Trenton, north along the Trent River to Rice Lake. Then it follows the Otonabee River and the Kawartha Lakes into the Talbot River to Lake Simcoe and Kuchiching. Then the waterway follows the Severn River through the southern part of the Muskoka District before it reaches Georgian Bay at Port Severn. And again, the the big landmark things to notice on the whole system are the two lift locks, the uh, hydraulic um, uh, big chute railway, and the uh, flight locks at Rainy Falls and Healy Falls near Campbellford. They're both right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if you go online and you Google Trent Severn lock system, it's lock stations, it brings up a page and it's all from the National Parks page, right? Yes. Government uh, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. Parks Canada, sorry. Parks Canada page. Um, it brings up a page and it has all the locks listed on the left side of the page. Yeah. And you can click on any one of them and it'll open up a little 
a new page that tells you all about that lock. Oh, cool. Historical right? facts and... Uh, yeah, just a little bit of info about it. And some and data. And height, yeah, the yeah. data about it, like height, size, sea level, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. Um, then if you go to, uh, if you Google the Peterborough lift lock, the Kirkfield lift lock and big shoot Marine railway, they'll, you can get information. You'll see videos about how the lift locks work, the Marine railway works, that sort of thing. And all this info, you can get all of it at Parks Canada website. Just click all of that. And, uh, there's so much information there, but yeah, I mean, there's no way, cause we did it. I mean, the canoe trip through there. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do canoe trips and kayak trips up and down the lock systems. And it is pretty cool if you go there for the first time. Uh, now we're going to discuss in our, in the next section here, um, go over a quick thing that another thing I found from them, but, uh, yeah. So if you're looking for something different to do, either, like I say, the Trent Severn waterway is, is the big one. And there, there, there's maps, go to the the park. Uh, Canada places, um, you'll find the, these maps and it shows everything. Or like I say, just go online and Google yeah. Trent Severn waterway and you'll find all this stuff. But I think it's definitely gives you an idea of something different you can it do for really all cool. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we did it in the canoes. It was fine. You could do it in kayaks. It's, you know, they, they, the Peterborough left lock, they see yeah. how many people they could fit in it on Canada day every year. And yeah. So I'm also looking here at the prices for the lockage and, well, one curious thing here is it seems that the Burley Falls, the Brighton Road Swing Bridge costs, mm-hmm. is a different fee to do the swing the bridge. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the swing bridges? I've seen them. Yeah. It takes a lot. Yeah. But this so, one, like normally they don't cost money or extra, but this one does. But I mean, you, you wouldn't be needing that for... No. That'd be for a big boat. Yeah, you'd use it once. Yeah, we, would, we wouldn't need that for, for the canoes. But uh, for lockage fees, I found lockage fees. And it's interesting. It's uh, So just to make the math easy, mm-hmm. just say a 10-foot boat. Because I don't like math. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to go with a 19-and-a-half-foot boat and we can just... Anyways. Call it 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> so a 10-foot boat is uh if you just do a single lock it's uh it's so it's nine or 90 cents per foot so nine nine bucks that's uh yeah a buck a foot so single lock there and back a single day trip is uh 16 bucks and like i said ten dollar or 10 foot boat transit one way through the lock system is 465 so 46 dollars to transit the trent severn uh six day pass is 50 bucks a seasonal pass is 88 bucks. That's not bad at all. Well, that's for a 10-foot boat. If you have a 40-footer, yeah. you're talking almost 400 bucks. That's Yeah, power. For the season. Power boats, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're talking like a 16-foot canoe. Yeah, it's not going to be Yeah, bad. it's not going to be that bad. Yeah, that's going to be too bad. And yeah, so like, you know, if you if you were on the lock system, you get a seasonal pass for, you know, a couple hundred bucks and you're good to go no matter how many times you cross through it, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty good. So think about that the next time, because I know a lot of people think, oh, what are we going to do for summer vacation sort yeah. of stuff? Well, there you go. It's right out your door. Yeah. You know, if, well, if you're in Ontario. 17 foot canoe. But there's a lot of lock systems around. And it's definitely something to check yes, out. Yes, absolutely. You know, check, you know, check out the lock systems. And, and like I say, if you can camp right there, you're not having to worry about bears. You ever and, seen the one in Scotland? The one that goes up the it's aqueduct a, sort of thing? Yeah. It's yeah. a really weird, looks like a spaceship, but it's a lock yeah. uh, thing. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back. We'll talk. I want to talk a little bit about the 
boat safety aspect of, of another pamphlet I got from the Parks Canada people. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So when I was at this Parks uh, at this Parks Canada booth at the uh, festival there. At the booth. At the booth. They had another little um, pamphlet that picked up, a little booklet thing about um, Trent Severn Waterways boating safety. Actually, boating safely. So if you Google Parks Canada Trent Severn Waterway, it brings up a page that says Trent Severn Waterways National Historic Site at the top. If you scroll down a little bit, there's a three pictures. The middle one says World Class Boating Adventure. So if you click that, it takes you to a third page. And on that page, there's a PDF that you can open, download, save, print off, whatever, called Boating Safely. There's a whole bunch of stuff in this on how to boat safely. Now, of course, a lot of this is geared towards like big power boats and stuff like that, like the big sleep on boats and things. Yeah, but it's all translatable. But it's all translated, yeah, to small watercraft. Yeah. So the part I want to talk about is because we've been talking about the lock systems going from up the up the Trent Severn. They have a section in there called locking through safely. And it talks about getting into the locks and through the locks. Now we had never done it before we went to the uh, the lift lock and Peterborough. I didn't even think we'd be allowed to. Well, that's but what apparently I'm it happens on a routine basis. Well, if you I mean, want to pay the money, they'll let you take your canoe through. Yeah, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, well, we're going to have to portage all the way up those stairs. <laughs> Screw that. You know, and all that massive hill yeah. and all that. And, and launch from there and yeah. then back down to where our, our cars yeah. were parked. Uh, and they said, no, 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 you just get in and there's a blue line painted. You go sit there and then when they're all ready to go, they'll, uh, wave, wave you, you through. Yeah. Now, mind you, we were the first ones of the day sort of thing. And yeah. then as we're waiting, yeah. boats are coming up behind us and we're like, oh, hello, that sort of thing. So when you are approaching a lock, now this sounds like this is the same deal. If you're going up through the Rideau Canal system. Mm-hmm. Um, up from uh, Kingston to Ottawa, same sort of sort of deal. Uh, I'm I gotta think it's the same in a lot of other places um, that have the lock systems. So obey any posted speed limit signs. I mean, in a canoe, kayak, it's <laughs> yeah. You know, watch out! <laughs> yeah, tell your water skiing friends behind <laughs> you <laughs> to calm down. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. 
the big thing is the slow your your boat down so there's no wake. Yes. You know, so so when you're paddling really fast, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Just calm it down, people. Calm it down <laughs> when you're getting close to that lock. So I, the big thing with the with the wake thing, especially with boats, it erodes the shoreline, causes yeah. damage. Other boats that are moored there, the waves start hitting them. They crack off the sides of the. Um, the exactly. docks and wherever they're moored, and you flip right? and overturn uh, canoes and kayaks. Exactly. So keep the channel near the lock gates clear to allow boats leaving the lock exactly to come out. Yeah. It's just like a subway or a bus. Yeah. Let the people off yeah. before you go in, sort of thing. Same with a lock. Wait to the side. When everybody's out, they'll they'll you know they'll they'll wave you in. They'll call you whatever whatever the the system is that they're using at the lock. When approaching the locks or swing bridges, the signal to request to enter the lock or to have the bridge opened is three long blasts and a five seconds duration from a whistle horn or siren. I don't really think that would apply to a a paddle craft. Unless you just want to piss them off. (laughs) (laughs) Swing the bridge open, then you paddle on through. (laughs) They're probably going to sit up there and like shoot you or something. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if... If you have to, I suppose. I guess you have to get one of those cans, right, with the yeah. with the horn on it, sort of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So maybe you're transporting your Christmas tree in an upright position, and you yeah. need the the swing bridge open. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you're just blowing your whistle, tweet, tweet, tweet. Things happen. <laughs> uh, there now, when the one thing that she told us when we were at the at the lift lock, there's a painted blue strip. So there's a blue line above and below each lock, and that's the temporary holding area for boaters that want to go through the lock. So that's what she said. She said, just line up at the blue line. Uh, it's painted on the on the side. And of course, the side is all, all cement, right? Yeah. There's a blue line. Wait there, tie up and wait. And then when they're all ready to go through, they'll wait, say, okay, come on in yeah. and, and that sort of thing. They'll wave you through or over the intercom system saying, you know, doors open. They'll say, paddle in. And when you're getting into the lock, they'll wave you to where you needed to be. Yeah. And when we did it, they, uh, I can't remember, did they, did they make us wait until the bigger boats were in? Because no, no, it, we were first. They made us go in first. Yeah. So yeah. We, we went right against the front wall, didn't we? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's very important to remember that during the entire locking through process, and that's what they call it, the locking through process, you are under the direction of lock operation staff. So please watch for their hand signals, traffic signals, and verbal commands. Like I say, this is, uh, of course, geared towards big boats, but this is also paddlecraft as well. You got to pay attention to the staff. They're the ones telling you where to go. They're the ones, because the last thing you want to be in is in one of these big locks with all these big boats and get squished. Yeah, that, that would suck. Yeah. Uh, after the lock gates are opened, the departing vessels are clear. Lock staff will direct you to enter the lock. Some Trent Severn waterway lock stations, a green traffic light is your signal to proceed. There's other ones that are the uh, PA system, yeah, that sort of stuff. Or if they're smaller locks, they'll just yell down at you. Hey, get in. Oi, you. So when you get into wherever they tell you to go, now we were told, you know, yeah, you guys come to the front here. Um, but we weren't side by side. We were still one in front of the other sort of thing. They have the lines, the cables that come down the side of the lock. So they're they're attached to the top, they're attached That's to the, the bottom. bottom. Yeah. 
you put your rope around that. They say a bowline, uh, sorry, a bow line and a, a stern line. Yes. Around these things. Now we just use the middle one. We use one line. Yeah. So it came from the bow underneath this line, and then I held it at the back. Yeah. Right. So that we're we're there, and then we had our hands against the wall, locked just to push ourselves off. off. Yeah. In a big boat, of course, you'd use one of the hooks, the you know the pole pole hooks to make sure you're not because you're not going to put your hand up no, there, sort no. of thing. But they, you have to make sure that it's a loose line. It's not, you don't knot it. You don't tie to these things because as the water level rises. You need to not stick you, to that rope. That, yeah, yeah. That knot that is now like five feet underwater is tipping your boat. <laughs> or if it's lowering that yeah, knot that's five feet up, now you're hanging. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, it's just a loose loop, a loose loop, loop around. around it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so loop, loop the, the bow and stern lines around the black drop cables. And yeah, of course they say, you know, turn off your ignition and all that sort of stuff, but you know, tell those water skiers behind you, <laughs> make sure you watch your lines. Don't just, you know, yeah, it's on here and whatever you're going up and down sort of deal because if something gets caught or whatever. Yeah. It can yeah. be dangerous and, yeah. and they, they may not be paying attention to a canoeist or a kayaker and if you get caught or you get in a whirlpool, you drift out in or drift underneath a boat or something. Yeah. So you got to watch for yourself because they not be, may not be watching for you. Exactly. And always be prepared to show your lockage and permit staff, uh, permit to staff and be ready to purchase one from them as well, which we did at the second lock. Uh, the second lock, they came up to us and they said, you know, well, we were not selling them because it was the 150. Yeah. But at this point, this is where you would buy one. Yeah. And basically they let us fill out all the paperwork and they were giving away the stickers that year, right? And, and I, and my stickers, I still have one. Yeah. It's yeah. stuck on my front door with a magnet. I keep meaning to put it on the boat, but I thought, no, I don't want to waste yeah. it. And yeah. Put it on my canoe. Yeah. So you, you're going up, you're going down, the water goes up, water goes down, that sort of thing. Exiting the lock. So when the lock operation is completed, the lock gates are opened. Check to make sure bow and stern lines are back in your boat and exit slowly. Exit as directed by staff. And remember, you got to watch out for the winds, currents, and other boats because everybody's trying to come out. Now I noticed uh, both times going up and back that they were like, okay, guys, watch out for the canoes. Mm-hmm. And yes. in a canoe, I mean, it's easier for you to just zip out to the side. So you paddle straight out and you move over to the side because you know these big boats are coming. They're going to throttle and, up. And yeah. Then. And they're, yeah. they're going to, I mean, they're still the no wake thing, right? Yeah. But they're you're, still you're not going to. than you. Yeah, it's, you're not going to just walk. It's like somebody going down the parking lot of Walmart and people walk straight down the middle of the wall. I know. It's like, what is wrong yeah. with you guys? So you pull over to the side, let the big boats yeah. go by, right? But yeah, we just happened to be the very first ones there and then they put us at the front. So we we're the first ones in, first ones out, that sort of thing. But yeah, you really got to watch the other boats and stuff like that. And always pay attention to what the staff people are telling you. They know. They're professionals on how these, these yeah, things work. Yeah, they do it all day long. That's right? their job. Yeah. Some lock stations, especially a big shoot on the Trent Severn, um, locking through instructions are given over the PA system. Wait at the blue line until directed or proceed, then pro- follow the operator's instructions, swing bridges, wait till the bridge is fully open before proceeding <laughs> so that your Christmas tree does not hit the bridge. Yes. Travel slowly, single file, giving way to vessels traveling downstream. Yeah. So yeah, 
and that that's exactly it's just a lot of common sense sort of thing and it, it can be a lot of fun going up and down the logs it's really a learning experience when you do it for the first couple of times we had a blast doing it that day kids love it oh yeah you yeah. know i Back mean can sell her with us yeah, yeah. Overnight camping is offered to boaters who arrive by boat and leave by boat. Camping is also permitted for organized cycling and hiking groups at most lock stations, but have to be approved in advance. So that's sort of the, you know what, if you're good, if you know you're trying to camp at some place, maybe give them a ringy dingy and say, Hey. We're looking at coming yeah. up. What's the chances? Yeah, I think that would be kind of neat to, to sleep at the side of the Trans-Siberian the right there. Yeah. You have a lock next to you. And like they shut down at night and stuff, but yeah. uh, you'd still be able to wander around at night and check things out. And, and there's, I mean, yeah. people are moored with their big boats. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're yeah. they're always a friendly group, you know, yeah. regardless. And I mean, you, you get these chats and like, oh yeah, we're driving all the way to, you know, well, five days we'll be up at Georgian Bay. Yeah, well, in two weeks we'll be there. <laughs> You're paddling all the way. Yeah. Oh Yeah. So, you know, they always have those things. Yeah. If you choose to camp, be sure to read the camping terms, conditions on the back of your permit. And that's all I got to say about locks. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that really mostly applies, like navigational stuff. Oh, yeah, to the big boaters. But, yeah, not not for canoes and kayaks. Yeah. But, like I say, if you you download that uh, PDF off off the Parks Canada page, just like I say, Google the, the Trent Severn waterway and you'll be able to follow the links and find it. There's a whole bunch of information about the locks on yeah. there. And, uh, you know what? I, it's it, pretty cool. It, it really, neat. it's it something totally transit. different. Yeah. You know I mean? Like I said, we talk paddling and you're talking to some local paddling and stuff, but when you're getting into stuff like that, yeah, you start out first thing in the morning, hit a few locks up, a few locks back. That's a full day of, of, uh, pretty fun stuff. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. check it out and uh, <laughs> try some locks this year. We tried it. And like I say, we had a blast. We yeah. got to do that again, man. So, um, I think that's about it. You got anything else? No. Uh, I was thinking if I had anything to talk about, but, uh, I only had the, uh, the book, uh, Walden. So that's uh, it. I already mentioned that. Oh, you need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't forget our guest blog. So if you have an idea for a blog article, mm-hmm. drop us a line. You can send it to Sean, S-E-A-N, at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Uh, and we'll uh, check it out and send you an email saying, yeah, send us an article with some photos and stuff like that. Already got a few of them going here. Uh, Leanne Hennessy had hers uh, on Monday, the uh, Paddle Into the Now article, which was pretty cool. So we're trying to make the... Uh, our blog page on our paddlingadventuresradio.com site, a listener blog. So, you know, like I say, people that have an idea for a blog but don't have their own, they can write us an article. We'll put yeah. it on there with your name and, and everything. That? Yeah, pretty cool. Other than that, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can listen to all our episodes, including 180 <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites, as well as the episode page on paddlingadventuresradio.com. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel while you're there on the internet. Yeah, we have a couple of lame videos up. Yeah, so. we got a couple of videos up there, right? <laughs> Uh, and I think that's about it for this week. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>